So those of you who may be guests to our church, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. You know, every church, it has values. It has things that they think are really important. And churches with values are called to live in and lean into those values in a variety of different ways. So one of our values here at Civil Creek is serving. We place a lot of emphasis on serving because we think that it looks most like Jesus. Jesus invited his followers to be servants to one another. And so we place a lot of emphasis on serving around here at Civil Creek. And that's one of the reasons why one Sunday each year, we do this thing called Serving Sunday, where instead of staying in here to worship, Together, we go out into our community and we worship through the expression of serving. That's coming up here in just a few weeks, and we're excited about that. Another one of our values here at Sibyl Creek is the permission to seek, to ask questions, to have doubts, and wrestle with all of these truths that we often assign to the topic of faith. And so we think that questions are a really healthy expression in a church family. And so we have always nurtured and encouraged the opportunity for people to ask questions. Even if those questions are sometimes driven by maybe fear, or some of those questions are just genuine curiosity, sometimes those questions are born out of doubt. And we think that doubt is just an expression of somebody who's sincerely seeking to know more and better understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. So we invite questions here at Cibolo Creek. And one of the ways that we do that is once or twice a year, we have what's called Q&A Sunday. And that's what today is. And so you just received instructions. And I think there's also instructions there at the side of the screen that you can take out your phone. You can enter that number and you can then pose your question. And I'm going to do my very best to answer that question as honestly as possible. So here's what, here's what you need to understand. This, this is not stump the pastor Sunday, okay? So if you have a question and it's designed to embarrass me or put me in an awkward position, then let's just go out and have lunch together and we'll talk about that question. We're really looking for sincere questions of curiosity about any, any topic related to faith. And then I'm going to do my best to answer that question. It could be something about your Bible. It could be something about sort of theological understanding. It could be something about kind of current events and what's happening in our culture and a society in relationship to the pursuit of following Jesus. And here's the deal. And this is just the agreement that we have. If you ask a question and I don't know the answer... I'm just going to tell you I don't know the answer, all right? I don't pose as the answer, man. I just, I will do my best to, to respond to the question. If I don't know, I'll find a way to get back to you about uh, your question. And um, so I, I, I'll just tell you if I don't know the answer. Now, sometimes if I don't know the answer, what I'll do is I'll spend a minute or two just thinking out loud. Like if I was going to try to answer that question, then I might consider this principle or this biblical truth or, or some other consideration just to kind of model for you what a little bit of thinking looks like when it comes to the discussions of our faith. Make sense? So here's how that works is you go to that website and you type in your question, then it's going to show up here on this laptop. And I have my good friend, Paul Yoder with us. How about a big warm Sybil Creek welcome for Paul Yoder. So Paul's, uh, he's looking at the questions as they're coming in now, and uh, he sorts them out, 
And if there's a question that seems to be a lot of people asking the same type of question, then that'll be one that he chooses. He'll look for really interesting questions, maybe questions that don't get asked a bunch. And um, he's, he's made a deal with me. He, he doesn't protect me. He doesn't just give me all the softballs, all right? He'll, he'll give me hard ones because we think that that's being authentic and honest to uh, the questions. We won't be able to get to all the questions, of course, but um, maybe what we could do is the questions that we don't get to today, then um, I'll incorporate into our podcast that we do weekly, and Wyatt Marchant and I will tackle some of these questions we don't have time to get to. So then just start listening to the podcast. Make sense? All right. So one of my second favorite people on the planet is Paul Yoder. Cody Lancaster, he's like at the top of but. But you can't believe how those two are so alike. It's amazing. Paul, you're not going to believe this. Paul's uh, 73 years old. In dog years. In dog years. No, we decided the other day, you're just a year younger than me. Six months. Six months. Yeah. Coming up on the big 6-0. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Appreciate it. No, but see, my wife and I, we always comment that you don't look a day over 40. Being with teenagers does that to you. (laughs) Yeah, so Paul is a teacher also at Bernie High School, one of the outstanding teachers in our school system. Both students and parents love him. You do such a great job. You teach um, English literature, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mostly sophomores and some juniors. And you do AP-level courses most of the time? I have in the past, yeah. And then you're just like a renaissance man. You do a bunch of other things. You're, you're involved in the theater department, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got one of our great actresses here today, Peyton Yarbrough. Uh, Bernie High School. That's a little plays shout out to Peyton. Right there. Good to have morning. you here. Yeah. yeah Very my... good. And then you're also involved in Bernie Community Theater. Yes. You've had a couple of lead roles and all of that. Yeah, yeah just good enough to know where I stand and <laughs> not try to aspire to anything more than that. Yeah. You, you drive bus. Yeah. Yeah. You referee high school football. High school, and I've done college as well, yeah. And then yeah. I saw recently that you're like um, an official for the, the San Antonio Brahmas now. Yeah, well, they let me do the chains for the, the XFL games. The on chain Sundays. gang. Yeah. So you do a little bit of everything. A little bit. You're married Says, to your wife, Peggy. Mm-hmm. Coming up on 33 years on that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So are we ready? Let's go. You got a couple questions for us? I do. I don't think it's refreshing, but there's enough questions to get us started. And then if they can figure out how to get this thing refreshing, I think we'll get some Oh, more. it's not refreshing, but... So it's already, it's already almost 10 after 10, so we're just going to throw some haymakers early and, and let's just haymakers. go. Haymakers? Yeah, let's just go. Wow, that sounds serious. I don't even know what that means. Oh. <laughs> is it a boxing term? A uh, haymaker? Yes, it is. Or did, it you're is. just going to punch me in the face. Is that what that means? Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> All right, bring it. Let's go. Okay. Um... What tests your own faith the most? Haymaker. What tests my own faith the most? Uh, Two things. My curiosity, I have this insatiable curiosity, and it's got just enough kind of cynicism to it, enough of a skeptical spirit. I'm just so curious about things, and if they don't make sense, then I... I wrestle with them. So, yeah, I wrestle with my fair share of doubts. Like, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been a Christ follower since the third grade, but I still read things in the Bible and I go, you know, seriously, <laughs> the serpent's talking? The donkey talk? You know, so I have enough of that. Now, I think there's solutions to that. I think there's answers to that. But I'll just admit, very honestly, that I still wrestle with my own fair share of doubts 
and cynicism about my faith. But I think what that does, it keeps me honest. And I try to be really vulnerable and honest with you guys about some of those journeys in my life. And so, yeah, so I, I think that's part of where I wrestle, even after all this time. And, you know, you throw on top of that your own insecurities and you can question God's love and you can question whether God's at work in or through you. And so that, that's kind of the mess there. The second thing is temptation. Temptation challenges my faith. I, I, like I said, I've been following Christ for years, but there's some things that never get easier. They're still tempting to me. They're, they can still be alluring to me. And if my heart's not in a good place, more importantly, if my mind is not in a good place, then I can chase after things that I know to be harmful to my life spiritually and physically and morally. So, I, I, so temptation, I, you know, I, I guess I lived under the mistaken impression that at one time, at some time it'd get easier. And that's, you know, certain things, would, certainly some things no longer hold the same allure to me, but um, there's other things. I've, I've walked a very, I've walked right up on the edges of an addiction in my life. And so I still have to be very diligent and vigilant about, you know, how I maintain my mind and my heart in relationship to that, if I'm going to uh, continue to maintain purity in that regard. And so, yeah, you know, I'd love to say that that goes away. It doesn't. Let me just be honest with you. It doesn't. That's why a daily cultivation of a relationship with Jesus is so important. That's why spending time in the word is so critical. Spending time with a really prayerful attitude. Not just like your little, you know, little 10 minutes of the day. I'm talking like throughout the day. This ongoing conversation with God is all a part of kind of keep yourself oriented. So that when temptation comes, and it will you have kind of the strength and the fortitude to, to stand up against it. Okay. You weren't even listening. You were checking rather. No, I heard both of them. The <laughs> temptations and things. And, and what was the first one? Uh, <laughs> I'm just busting your job, buddy. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to them, and you got a job to do. No, I'm just making sure that this platform is working. Uh, okay. I, I have, I, this is going to be one of my questions, so that's a good one. So we, we bought some property across... Uh, Ralph Fair Road quite a yes, bit ago, and I think we got it for a pretty good deal back in 20, when did we buy that? 2012, uh, 2013? Something like that. Yeah. So what are the current plans for that? What would be very now a lucrative real estate deal if the church decided to sell that? What are we going to oh, do with that? Oh, if we decided to sell Or if we keep it. Okay, let me give it? you some orientation. So yes, uh, the current property that we're on, we have about nine acres here. Only about five of them can be used, and we're pretty much at capacity here on this property. So several years ago, when we were looking to expand our capacity to serve a growing congregation, we, we bought 37 acres of land just a mile down the road here on the other side of Ralph Fair Road. A beautiful, beautiful piece of property. It is all paid for thanks to the generosity of this church family. And so we're just waiting for an understanding from God about when it might be time to develop a second campus. And here's my promise, money back guarantee. Okay, I'm, this is my promise to our church family. We are not going to go into debt to just have new digs, okay? We're gonna use this property until we just can't use it anymore, until we just can't contain all of the life and function of our church family on, uh, on our current facility. So we have this beautiful piece of property a mile down the road that represents a future for Cibolo Creek. We just have no idea 
when. Lots and lots, mm, lots, can I say lots more, lots and lots, lots of discussion about when and how and what we're going to do over there and will some of it be sold off as a way to raise money to build the campus and will we, um, one of the big considerations is how do we use that piece of property as an outreach to our community so that may determine what we build over there and how we develop that property. Big questions about what becomes of this property if we move to that campus um, at some time in the future. And we may keep it and use it for ministry outreach, uh, may sell it for the community center. Again, so many questions. There's a great group of people who are being assembled here uh, in the life of our church to think through those kinds of things for us. We're looking at you know, the prospect of developing some sort of a master plan for our future campus. Um, you know, we were ready to start and make a move over there and then this thing called COVID happened. And that changed the entire landscape, not just for Sybil, but for the Church of America. And um, we went, you know, seven months without anybody on our campus. And then it's been a slow build back from COVID for people trusting enough to be in large groups. And so we're not at an attendance right now where it would merit us building something bigger. So uh, that's the honest truth about that. I listened that time. Did you? I did. <laughs> You're awesome. What, okay. what else you got? There's a lot of really good things coming up here. But based on the time we have, let's, let's go to something like this. Well, uh, if God is our father and we are his children and he wants to take care of us, why does he allow bad things to happen to us as his children? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's one of the great questions of the ages. If God is loving and kind and good, and if he's, this one, if he's sovereign and can control all that happens, why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? A um, couple of different ways to answer that is God is, he's interested in loving us, but he's also interested in granting us freedom and the freedom to choose. And so sometimes we make lousy choices that come with consequences and come with, you know, side effects and come with brokenness. And, and so sometimes it's not about God allowing bad things to happen to us. Sometimes it's us choosing to go in a direction where we're moving away from him and his design. And therefore we get caught up in the backwash of that. And here's the beautiful thing about whether that's our sort of self-induced um, problems that we've created for ourselves. We live in a world of fallen people. Other people aren't close to God. They don't love Jesus. They're not interested in his design. And sometimes the behavior of those people and the choices they make have consequences on our life. And we get caught in the backwash of that. And God has not promised to protect us from that. He's ready. Ready? He's promised to be with us in that. He hasn't ever promised to spare us from heartache and pain and the brokenness of living in a fallen world. But he has promised, I will be with you through thick and thin, whatever comes your way. I will be with you and in my love, I will support and encourage and provide for your needs so that you can navigate your way through that. Folks, we just have to accept Christians are not exempt from the evil that's in our world, from the evil that's in our heart, and all the consequences and the ramifications that come with that. And so what we do is when, when life seems bad or hard, 
that's when we really have to throw ourselves on the love and the mercy of God and his faithfulness and stick close to him because he wants to guide us through those kinds of times and provide for us in those periods of need. Does that make sense? Okay, so you two are a literature teacher. You teach the Bible, right? Yes. So one of the questions that comes up quite a bit is how do you decide the path of the curriculum and instruction that you're going to do at any given time in the church year? Because as a recovering Lutheran, it was like the first Sunday after Epiphany, <laughs> the third Sunday. It was like pretty much you knew you were going to be talking about the Sermon on the Mount on May 12th or something, right? Yeah. So you have a lot more freedom with that. How do you decide what it is that you want to tackle with not just yourself but with um, – the congregation and kind of, is it something that comes up in daily life? Or is it something you see okay. as a pattern in culture? How do you do that? A recovering Lutheran, huh? Yes, sir. So you've been through like rehab and then you like do a couple follow-up <laughs> weekends or something? Is that how that works? Yeah, confirmation and all that kind of fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. I guess I'm a recovering Baptist. I'm surprised I haven't seen you at any of the meetings. <laughs> I'm at bingo. So. <laughs> How do we decide sort of the teaching calendar of Sybil Creek? There's a couple of different ways. Um, one of them is we're trying to think through what are we wanting to accomplish with our church family by way of spiritual progress, spiritual growth. Like, like most of you know, this year, 2023, we committed that the whole year would be a study of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple. And right now we're in the first uh, section of that study about how does one have a relationship with Jesus and how does one spend time with Jesus. Um, so a lot of the times we're just looking at what does our church family need by way of spiritual direction and mentoring so that they can follow Christ well, so that they can learn what it is to have a relationship with Jesus if they're a spiritual seeker and they haven't made that decision. So a lot of it's informed by what it is that we think are important learnings for a church family seeking to follow Christ. Does that make sense? Now, the, the second thing is um, we have a staff that's involved with our congregation and we listen. We listen very closely to things that we hear or we pay attention to things that we see and we, we identify needs in our congregation. And, you know, one of the most apparent ones, and um, this is huge, we see it all the time. We see that a lot of families have needs when it comes to marriage and when it comes to raising kids. And so we say, well, then we need to talk about that. We need to show them, help them understand what is God's word and what does his wisdom have to offer by way of his design for marriage and for the design of parenting children. And so we talk a lot about that because we sense that to be a need. Um, you know, newsflash, we, we listen to those of you who go to work every day and you tell us about the challenges that you face when it comes to like maybe the leadership of your, your company and you trying to be a good employee or sometimes it's about the... Um, the moral culture of the business that you're in and you trying to do the right thing as a Christ follower, you're getting absolutely blindsided 
more and more about all of those kind of you know social justice issues of our day and how that's you know being you know kind of taken up by the workplace and you're finding yourself in these difficult work situations and difficult conversations with you know matters and issues that you completely disagree with about when it comes to your faith and so we go you know we got to help people go to work every day and live their lives as Christ followers so that's another you know, huge influence on how we decide what to talk about here at Civil Creek. And the third one is, we just pay attention to culture. We pay attention to what's happening in society. Um, I'm a big fan of culture. I'm a big student of society. I, I watch it all the time. I'm very curious about it. And here's the truth of the matter. A lot of what's happening in our culture, you guys listening? A lot of what's happening in our culture and our society gets posed as being political stuff. And it's not. It's been politicized. But most of what we're dealing with in our culture and our society nowadays is deeply spiritual at its roots. And so a Christ follower has to make decisions every day about what of this am I going to believe? What of this am I going to adopt? What of this am I going to affirm and applaud as being acceptable? And a lot of what's being, you know, in it, what's inundating us in culture and society right now is completely contrary to the truth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I feel like it's my responsibility and our church's responsibility to help you with that, to equip you to understand and recognize the difference between truth and lie. Um, it was such a great verse in Romans chapter 1. Um, Paul's writing about the culture and the society in which he was looking at in his day. And here's, here's, here was his commentary. They exchanged the truth for a lie. The, his culture bought the lie and named it as truth. Meanwhile, the abiding and eternal truths of God's word are being dismissed. And that's an incredibly dangerous situation for a Christ follower to try to navigate. And you guys, you're facing that every day. Men and women, are you're facing that at work. You're facing that in your school systems. You're facing that in your, the political arenas that affect our, our legislation. You're, you're facing that in your friend groups. And so that's part of the reason why we choose certain topics. They're not always comfortable or popular, but we feel like it's our responsibility to help to assist our church family with figuring out how does a Christ follower navigate the, um, the interesting times that we're living in these days. Make sense? And then sometimes it's just, a, it's just an audible. It's me listening to my heart and I sense God saying, you really need to talk about this. And I say, okay, let's do it. And we'll find a way to do that, whether that's a series of messages or just an off Sunday and and I'll try to follow my lead. All of it, all of it's bathed in prayer. All of it's done very collaboratively with the staff that's thinking through and trying to figure out what does our church family need. Good. What else you got? We don't have enough time. For yes, we do. We got. Oh, we got. We got forty-five minutes. So no, we're on we got Paul Wilson time is what yeah, we're on. Yeah, we're on Paul yeah, Wilson. Nobody time. has anything else better to do today, right? We got six. We got six minutes. Okay. Uh, That's at least 12 questions. Yeah, if you ever have a chance to go to lunch with this guy, please go. Uh, I love this part, asking you these questions, because when you're with him, he's constantly 
badgering with questions. <laughs> badgering. Yeah. Is that how you're portraying my lunches with you? Yeah, I mean, you wear me out. Because you actually now, I got like I got like 10 lunches on my schedule coming up, and all those people are like, oh, great, now he's just going to badger me. <laughs> just trying to be real, Paul. <laughs> trying to be real. No, all right, I just, I just ask a real question. Okay, uh, based on the time we have, let's, two, two parts. One, uh, how do you think Texas is going to do it today against Miami? And will they, will they go all the way in the final Hook four? Hook them horns. And besides following basketball and sculpting and triathlete stuff, how do you manage the stress of being a pastor uh, at a church in 2023. So <laughs> basketball and then managing wow. stress. Yeah, so hook them horns. Uh, you know, I have two sons that um, went to or are a part of the University of Texas in Austin. And so uh, I send a lot of money there. So I, I kind of send my fandom there too. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they won't go all the way in the March Madness because that's, that's my bracket. And I stand to make 50 bucks in the Wilson family uh, pool if I come out on the top. Um, we, we actually have a bracket here at work too. And uh, it wasn't so much about the winner as it was about the loser. And so Landon, uh, who instigated all of it, he, um, he's, he's, he was in last place until like yesterday or something. But anyways, he's come up with these three penalties that the loser has to choose from. One of those is you have to, you have to carry a watermelon with you through the entire day and introduce it as a friend to everybody that you meet. So yeah, I'm hoping that I at least beat Landon. <laughs> Um, so how, how do I handle stress? Um, so yeah, triathlon's one of those ways. Art, I, I'm a sculptor, so getting away and doing things other than, you know, this is a way that I, I manage stress. Um, I'm a contemplative by nature. I kind of like, kind of like my privacy and, and I, I love being alone. I'm not, you know, insecure about being alone. So I find ways to, you know, squirrel away a couple hours and be by myself. And, and um, so that's a lot about managing stress. I always take a day off. Um, I take Fridays as my day off. And then I back that up against the Saturday. I feel like I have a two-day weekend. Um, most of you guys do that Saturday and Sunday. But I got this gig on Sunday that I have to do. And, and so I try to manage it that way. Um, Charlotte and I, you know, my wife... She's on staff here. She's our children's ministry pastor. We have this rule. We don't talk about work at home. Ever. Ever. We, we just, our home's our home. And if she needs to see me, uh, if she has a problem with her boss, then she has to see him at work. Um, so th those are a couple of things. Got time for one more? Uh, these are pretty theologically deep. But yeah, let's... give me one of those. Uh, okay. Uh, according to the book of Timothy, a woman is not to be an authority over men, and there's no instance of women pastors in the Testament. So what's your thinking about women pastors in their role at Cibolo Creek? I love pastors being women at Cibolo Creek. I love women being pastors at Cibolo Creek. We have like four or five of them. Um, here's the deal. There's some unique cultural situations of the first century where it would have been impossible for a woman to serve in the role of a pastor. Um, 
none of the women who serve as pastors at Sibyl Creek are exercising authority over. We serve together as a community of Christ followers, and they are given the empowerment to serve our people by way of leadership and pastoral care within both the, the oversight of me as a senior and then our board of elders. Um, and so they, they don't exercise an undue authority over anybody they serve. Um, I, have this, I have this deep conviction that the body of Christ is equipped to serve by way of spiritual gifts. So when we invite Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Part of what he does is he gives us a unique ministry ability called a spiritual gift. There's some 30 different spiritual gifts um, described in the New Testament. And we sort of govern our way uh, in the life of our church around those spiritual gifts. And here's the deal. The spiritual gifts are not distributed by age, gender, or marital status. Did you hear that? There's no limitations on any of the spiritual gifts based on age, gender, or marital status. And because I believe that the church is a redemptive community, we're seeking to restore what sin has broken and what sin demolished by way of the, the unity that can exist between the men and the women that God created. Then here at Sibylla Creek, we're doing our very best and with as humble of a heart as we possibly can to seek to restore the unity that exists in a community that's served by both men and women, even to the place that if a woman has um, the gift of teaching, we want to see her teaching. If she has a gift of leadership, we want to free her to lead because our body will be better if everybody's using their spiritual gifts. And um, here at Sibyl Creek, we define pastor by two terms. They have to love our people well. They have to lead our people well. And we have some remarkable women in our church family who love this congregation from the bottom of their heart, and they lead this congregation better than I do. And so I am um, I'm privileged to have them on our staff team. I learn from them all the time, and I think we as a church family have benefited from having both men and women serve our congregation, both as the lovers of our folks and the leaders of our people. Make sense? Now, I know it's, it's got lots of ramifications to it and lots of tentacles to the discussion. We just had to make a decision. I had to make a decision that best reflected my understanding of the scriptures. And then I have to lead from there. And yes, there's the possibility that someday I may stand before God and give an account of my life and he's going to go, you didn't do it right. Uh, that's the responsibility and the risk that I'm assuming, but I've spent plenty of time on my knees asking God to give me guidance about how best to lead and serve this church. And having women serve as pastors is one of the ways that I have a very strong confidence that, that I'll be okay. Make sense? All right, we do have to go because of time. Um, you know, the, the fun thing is, I don't just, I'm just throwing this out there. We don't have any baptisms in the second service, so I got more time to answer questions. So um, if you want to stick around, you're welcome to do that. But don't everyone stick around. We won't have room for the next. next <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thank you for asking your questions. Like I said, we, there's a lot of questions we didn't get to that we'll find a way to provide some responses to that you'll be able to have access. And again, big thank you to my friend Paul Yoder for facilitating today.
All right, let's stand together. Let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, thank you for questions. Thank you for curiosity. Thank you for the capacity to learn and discover. And thank you that there's so much, so, so much about our faith that is interesting and curious, that it keeps our hearts engaged. It keeps our minds always wondering And so I pray, Father, that this church family will be characterized by this very dynamic curiosity about all things faith. And I pray, Father, that in our searching and in our seeking and in our asking questions, we will come to always find you to be the very best answer that's out there. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the friends that we were able to baptize this morning. We just celebrate with them and this huge decision that they've made and We ask for your blessing upon their lives. Thank you, Father, for this time together. In Christ's name, amen. All right, everybody, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.